Carrie. And I'm Amy, and you are listening to The Perks of Being a Book Lover, a show hosted by two book nerd friends who talk to other book nerds, including authors, poets, librarians, booksellers, and regular readers. Our show follows this format. We begin with my crabby dullness and Amy's sometimes maddening enthusiasm. It took us a little bit of time to become self-aware and recognize that we embody the grumpy sunshine trope that we often see in literature. That is followed by a fun conversation with a new bookish friend about what they love about being a bookworm. Then we talk about what we're reading. And finally, we put our guest on the hot seat to answer some silly probing questions. We're glad you've joined us. Many book lovers could spend hours in a library wandering around perusing the shelves, but the Willard Library in Evansville, Indiana, is a little more unique because it houses not only books and magazines, but some spooky residents. In the 1930s, staff members and patrons first started seeing apparitions, including a woman in Victorian clothing named the Grey Lady, a gentleman named Frank, and a little boy named Billy, who likes to play on the stairs. These are friendly ghosts, and each year the Willard conducts free ghost tours to the public. You can also keep track of the ghosts for yourself through their ghost cams that they have set up in various locations through the library. This week, in honor of Halloween coming up, we speak to Stacy Dotson, a staff member at the Willard Library who's considered their ghost guru. She's a lover of the paranormal and, in fact, has a fairly unique background herself, which makes her perfect for this job. Stacy has had several encounters with the ghostly residents, and she fills us in. But first, Carrie, we did something spooky. We did. This is becoming sort of a tradition. The Kentucky Shakespeare here every Halloween does a different production. Last year, we went to see The Turn of the Screw, which was very good. And this year, we went to see something called Enter Ghost. And this was like nothing I have ever seen. It was pretty wild. Well, first of all, it's a retelling somewhat of Hamlet. Somewhat. Right? Oh, an immersive haunted Hamlet experience is how they describe it. If you are expecting to see a production of Hamlet, that is not what you will see. It's like told in chunks, out of order depending on what group you're in. And when I say group, you know, you you automatically know it is not a normal theatrical experience because you are grouped. And so depending on the group, you may see the story and some of the characters in Hamlet in a different way than what you would normally see them in the play if you were seeing a normal Hamlet play. I'm totally not explaining this well, am I? Okay, well, you missed one of the major pieces, which is that everybody wears headphones. They're like silent disco headphones. And so when you're talking about being grouped, you are grouped and you're giving a, given a set of headphones that has a certain color and you have a guide that takes you through these different rooms that they have set up that has a different scene going on. But you're listening to it through your headphones, which are programmed just for your group. Right. So, so you're seeing different things from other attendees. You're hearing different things and seeing different things in a different order from the way they are hearing and seeing things. So that's weird. I mean, weird in a good way, not in a bad way. But the other thing that I was so impressed with is the way the sound is on these, you know, so you're not just hearing voices, like you're hearing these sound effects. And some of the sound effects are so, I won't tell too much, but there's this one part where the sound effects are like totally, ugh. I mean, that's the only way I can describe it. Like, ugh. They're kind of gruesome. They're they're kind of gross and gruesome. But the thing is, you're not seeing anything that's particularly gruesome. But it's the sound effects that kind of make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. And then, so you kind of go through these rooms and then there's this part where everybody's in the same room, but what you're seeing is, it's almost like a game show, but it's not a game show, but it has kind of like a game show vibe. It's very trippy. That's that's the yeah. only word that I have been able to find that describes what this is about, but it totally, so I've taught Hamlet before I've read it. I don't know how many times. And this totally made me see, especially the character of Hamlet in a different way. 
Most of the time you are not sitting down. So it's not a typical play. Like you're sitting in seats watching something until the very end. You're sort of traveling from room to room, almost like a, almost a little bit like a haunted house, right? Mm-hmm. Until the very end with the the last section, but it's completely experimental theater. And what I love is that Kentucky Shakespeare, they're always looking for new ways to present theater. Yeah. Anyway, this- I recommend it. Their main season is in the summer when they do Shakespeare in the park, uh, free performances all summer long. But I like these off-season performances, too, because they can get really, really creative with them. Yep, for sure. So, Carrie, I have to ask you this question, and I don't think we have ever talked about this, but do you believe in ghosts? Yes. Oh, very good, because I kind of believe in them, too. And my husband thinks I am Were you surprised about that? I was. I thought you were going to say, no. No, my husband thinks I'm crazy. Funny, I guess we never really talked about it. And I didn't tell him this until maybe just a couple of years ago. And he's like, I have been married to you for this many years. And I did not know that you believe in ghosts. And I'm like, well, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that they're definitely there. I'm just saying I'm not convinced that they're not there. I'm open to the idea that there are ghosts. Why do you say yes? Um, Well, okay. So here's the thing. So you know how they say that, you know, there's one dimension, two dimension, three dimension, there's all these different dimensions, right? And so we are aware of a certain number of dimensions, right? So we live in the third dimension, right? We can see and touch. And anyway, I don't understand a whole lot about dimensions. But what I do know is that there's some things in physics that suggest that there could be up to 10 dimensions. And so we're not aware of those dimensions. We can't perceive those dimensions. And so my thinking is, is that what if what we think or what we call ghosts are not somebody who's died, but it's something from one of these dimensions that we just normally can't perceive, but there's like these breakthrough moments where Hmm. we can perceive them. And so for me, ghosts, it's like more a scientific ghost than it is a somebody's dead and come back from the dead. But so I've also thought, you know, we think death is an end, but what if it's not? Maybe it's just a movement into another realm of reality that we just, again, our existence can't perceive that. We don't know what death is. You know, we think we know what death is, or we have ideas about what happens after death, but we don't know. So for me, ghostliness is sort of more scientific. And and I just feel like there's so much that we don't know. Mm -hmm. So I agree with that. Although mine is not nearly as erudite as as your explanation. (laughs) Mine is just like, yeah, I just kind of think that there might be. And I definitely (laughs) get like uh, spooky vibes from certain places. That I can't really explain why that would be. Like when I was growing up, my grandmother lived in this very old house and there was one room that had a twin bed in it. And that's where everybody always like wanted me to sleep. And Mm -hmm. I never liked sleeping in that room. There was something that, and I know I was a kid and kids get scared of things, but it was, I had never been scared of anything like that before, Mm -hmm. but there was something just kind of weird about that room to me. It just gave off a bad vibe. And so I wouldn't sleep there. <laughs> I would always want to sleep with my grandmother or I know that sounds crazy. No, but. it's just so funny. I mean, I think that really sums up our personalities. Me, I'm like string theory and you're like bad vibes. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. Hey, you've never asked Dean. You and Dean have never had this conversation? No, although we probably should because, you know, at some point after you've been married 22, 25 years or more, you've sort of run out of things to talk about with your spouse. So it's like, okay, how do you feel about ghosts? But I will ask him. I will ask him today. So were you, you weren't surprised though, when Chris said, you know, no, I don't believe in, right? No, I wasn't surprised because, you know, he's a physician. He's completely based in science and rational thinking. Right. I think that, oh, this is hard because he is like, he is a sciencey data person, but oh, I'm going to go with, he's going to say 
yes, that he does think that ghosts could be real. That is my feeling, although this is going to prove whether you actually know your spouse after 25 years of marriage. Yes. Yes. Uh, You have to report back. So next week, you have to report back as to what he said. I will. Mm -hmm. So I think he's going to say, yes, he believes in ghosts. All right. Well, now I feel like we need to stop the recording so I can go ask Dean and be like, okay, I need to know this. Maybe I should. No, I don't want to text him because I kind of want to see the look on his face when I ask him this. And just to see, like, does he give me that you're an idiot look or you know, do his eyes light up? Like I've been waiting 25 or well, we've been together 27 years. I've been waiting 27 years for you to ask me this. I know I'm excited. You have to tell me before (laughs) next week, but I'll I'll text you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's time for us to talk to Stacy and she has got a couple of really interesting stories for us today. And so I hope everybody will enjoy this little nod to Halloween in our episodes this week. Book lovers generally love libraries and what better way to spend an hour than to browse the stacks of books. So we've chatted with folks from various libraries on the show, but we've never chatted with someone from a haunted library. Stacy Dotson is a library assistant at the Willard Library in Evansville, Indiana, who has graciously joined us to share all the spooky and not so spooky things about her library. Welcome, Stacy. Hi. So first, tell us a little bit about you. The Willard Library is in Evansville, Indiana. Are you from there originally? No, I originated in Washington State, so out in the Pacific Northwest. And I relocated here with my husband Uh, about four years ago, and I've been with Willard Library for three years. So what do you do at the library? What's your role there? All the things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So I am an assistant to the library, and I kind of do a mixed bag of things. You know, I check books out, check books in, put them on the shelf, uh, typical library stuff, but I also do like reference questions. So we'll get people that call in that need to, you know, want to know what the weather is today, or can you read me the obituaries, or can you tell me the number for this location that I can't find? And then at least this year, I have been the podcast gal. So I've been doing a lot of podcasts this month, and uh, I have been dubbed as the resident ghost guru. So <laughs> Anything that's paranormal gets thrown at me and I'm like, oh, okay. So here I am. So I kind of do a mixed bag of things. So have you always had an interest in ghosts and the paranormal? Or is this just something that because you're working at the Willard Library and there is a supposed ghost there that it, it piqued your interest? So I've always believed in the paranormal. And I think a lot of that is kind of like given my upbringing. In a nutshell, my dad made headstones for a living. And oh, wow. <laughs> my mom was a cemetery caretaker, and both of my parents would dig graves for funerals. So that was my childhood. So death and supernatural and all the spooky stuff, I mean, it's just it's been a normal part of my life. So it's just like an extension to who my right hand, more or less. Oh my gosh, we could do a whole episode just on your childhood. Oh my goodness. So this is right in your wheelhouse then. Yes. I will say though, that when I went into Willard Library, I didn't go in thinking, oh, it's haunted. And I was like, is it really though? So I went in with an open mind that it could just be a spoof. When you interviewed for the job, is that something that they bring up? Like, No. Okay. Like, how do you feel about ghosts? I brought it up, if anything. And I actually found out about it through a friend Halloween night when I first moved here. And she knows I love old buildings. And she was taking me around downtown Evansville. And there's a bunch of beautiful old historic buildings. I mean, I highly suggest people take a drive down there because it's just wonderful. And she brought up, well, have you ever seen Willard Library? And I said, no. And it was after hours, so it was dark, but she pulls up into the parking lot and there's this beautiful, gorgeous, gothic, Victorian style building standing in front of me. And I was just 
blown away. And she goes, oh, yeah, and it's haunted. And I said, excuse me? And she said, yeah, they have cams and all that kind of stuff. She's on their website. So I pulled it up and I looked at it and I was like, all right. And I went to bed that night and I woke up the next morning and I was like, huh, I wonder if they're hiring. (laughs) And uh, here I am. So. Wow. Tell us a little bit about the Willard Library. From what I understand, it's pretty old, like 1800s old. So it opened its doors to the public in March 1885. So that would make the building 138 years old. Everything that you see on the outside of the building and the inside, majority of it is original to the building, which is not something you see very often. The fact that you can walk on these tile floors that are over 100 years old, you know, the same thing with there's like oak borders around the doorways and it's like stepping back in time for a hot minute. And especially when you walk through the main doors, there's this beautiful grand staircase and it just takes your breath away. I mean, you just and you can always tell when people have never been into the library before because there's always this gasp as they come in and just look of awe as they look around. And it's like, you're new, huh? (laughs) So at that point in time, when the library opened, and this is something that's also pretty cool as well, Mr. Carpenter actually made sure that the library was open to all classes, all sexes, and all races for free forever. That was the purpose of this library. So you know, in the 1800s, that's some pretty forward thinking. Mm-hmm. There is a rumor, or maybe not a rumor, that the Willard Library is haunted by somebody known as the Gray Lady. So tell us a little bit about her story and why the library is considered haunted. Okay, so the Gray Lady, or the Lady in Gray, she was first sighted in 1937. And it was a cold winter morning. And at the time, we had a furnace in the basement. And our custodian staff went downstairs to stoke the fire in the furnace to heat up the whole building. And it was very early in the morning. And he saw a woman in Victorian-era dress, a high neck collar. Her hair was up, the button boots, and a veil over her face. And she was gray. And he saw her and she faded away and he was promptly freaked out as anybody (laughs) probably would be. And he's actually the only staff member that has ever left the employment of the library due to the ghost. So there's that fun fact. I think he saw her a couple more times before he actually left employment. And because he was the first one to see it, you know, they're like, yeah, sure. There is a ghost. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) And he ended up taking to drink because that's how he was going to cope with it. But as for our resident ghost herself, we deem her as a friendly poltergeist. You know, there'll be some things that happen, but no one has ever felt like it was malicious. If they are fearful, it's, you know, that's weird and I can't explain it. And But as for like who the gray lady is, we don't know who she is. In fact, I do believe that we had... Uh, Lorraine Warren come out in the 70s or 80s. Uh, She was doing a convention with her husband, Ed, somewhere here in Indiana, close by, and she wanted to go to a haunted location. And she actually came to our library and she went into a trance and she tried to contact the lady in gray and she wouldn't talk to her. For those who may not be familiar, uh, Lorraine Warren is was a ghost hunter. I think she's deceased now. She was a a medium, a psychic medium. Her and her husband, Ed, if you watch scary movies, like The Conjuring, they are the people who do that. Right. So she's very well known among ghost hunter type people and maybe horror movie watchers. Yeah. (laughs) That's how I knew about her. Correct. (laughs) Correct. There's also more than one ghost that haunts the library as well. There is a man named Frank, I don't know how we came up with the name Frank. That's just what I was told. There is a little boy named Billy. Apparently he likes to play on the stairs and he hangs out in the children's department. And again, even with these other two spirits, they not malevolent at all. So I had read that they thought that the gray lady might have been the founder of the library's daughter 
who was upset that he didn't leave her any money and left it all to the library. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. So yes, you are somewhat correct. Willard Carpenter, just to be completely honest, he wasn't father of the year. And if he were a poorer man, he would would have been called crazy. He wanted to leave a lasting legacy in Evansville. And so he built this library. And in doing so, I mean, this man is like 70 years old and he was coming on site every day, putting brick and mortar up on the building, uh, which eventually led to his stroke. And he passed away in 1883. So he didn't even get to see the library be completed. Hmm. So because of his estranged relationship with his family, he actually left some money to them. But majority of his money was left to the library and his youngest daughter, Louise, that didn't sit well with her. She didn't feel like she got enough. So she took the library to court and claimed that her father was not in sound mind when he made his will and she lost. And then that was it. So the speculation is that the lady in gray is actually Louise Carpenter coming back to watch over the library that cheated her out of her inheritance. So there's some that speculate that that's who it is. I personally do not, because if I was that salty, I wouldn't be a friendly poltergeist. I'm just (laughs) saying. You mentioned some of the other ones, Frank and I think Billy. And you mentioned the first person in the 1930s who saw the gray lady. So since then, what types of things do people, when they say, I think I experienced something weird, what are they I guess, hearing or seeing or think they're seeing? So I haven't had very many patrons come through with something. And a lot of that is, and I'm going to just put this disclaimer out here right now. Like, first of all, I do believe our library is haunted. Second of all, it's not like something spooky happens every day. Sometimes we go through months where nothing odd or unexplained even happens. And then sometimes it's like four things happen in a week and we're like, okay, so it's a hit or miss. Mm -hmm. So most of the time when people get experiences, our patrons are lucky enough to come in every day. Some of them have said they had experiences, but sometimes they don't want to talk about it and that's totally fine. So there's cold spots that happen. There has been perfume and I do believe it's called white diamonds. It's that antique perfume, you know, the old lady antique perfume. (laughs) (laughs) I know when I say that, everyone's like, oh, I know what you mean. I'm like, it's like that. I've actually had a phantom smell hit me in the face that way. I can share that story later. Uh, She's touched hair, you know, um, and not in a yanking or pulling, but she likes dangling earrings. And sometimes there's been multiple staff members who have had their, it feels like a patron has, you know, pulled their hair back to look at their earrings. Um, and <laughs> it gives uh, me chills to think about. Another one of our staff members, she had dangly earrings and just one of her earrings, like it felt like someone lightly like touched her earrings to make it swing on mm. her ear. So no one feels anything malevolent, I think. And I guess it's an unspoken protocol. It's like when something creepy happens, there's safety in numbers. So we just go be with somebody until we have to go back to our post. So, I mean, phantom footsteps, sometimes books fall. The elevator likes to run randomly as well. And it is an old building too. So, you know, and we live in a humid area, so hot and cold and old wood. And there's stuff that can be explained away. And there's stuff explained away to myself, like walking up the stairs it sounds like someone's following me up the stairs, but it's not. It's the creaking of the wood from my weight moving from step to step. And it is creepy, but it's like, nah, that's not paranormal. As much as I would love to think it is, it's not. It's just me creeping myself out. It's fine. <laughs> so, Well, I want to hear the story about the perfume. Okay. Okay. So this is probably when I was pretty new. So this was in my first year and I was weeding books. So I was pulling books out and I'm fairly tall. I'm about five, seven. And when I stand on the stools, you know, that adds an extra foot and I'm up there pulling out books and putting them on the stacks. And then all of a sudden this wave of perfume just smacks me in the face. I mean, it's super strong. And I'm like, whoa, somebody like, what'd you do? Bathe in it? (laughs) And there was nobody else around other than one of our male patrons. And 
he walked by me. Maybe it was him. Perhaps his wife did overdo it on the perfume and it just stuck to him. And there was no other patrons around. And I know it wasn't my coworkers because I work with them every day. And I was like, well, let me do a drive-by sniff test. <laughs> and so I jumped down off the stool and walked over and pretended I was doing something. And as I walked by him, I gave him a nice smell. <laughs> and it wasn't him. He did smell very nice, by the way. His deodorant <laughs> was amazing. Uh, and he left. And I'm walking around the library trying to find the smell again because it's like, that's so weird. We have these large round columns in the middle of the library as well that hold our security lights. And I'm trying to debunk this. Like, where did it come from? Did it get stuck on something? Like, I don't you know, someone rub on it. And one of my coworkers was asking me a question and she turns around and apparently at that point in time, I was sniffing one of the pillars as she was asking <laughs> the question. And, and then afterwards I told her, I'm like, I explained exactly what I just said. And my boss is like, really? I want to smell it. And it went to different spots in the library on our floor. So it wasn't where it was originally. I went back to the stool, wasn't there. It moved to a different location that it, it, almost smelled like it was by the pillar. And that's why I was smelling the pillar, but it wasn't the pillar. And, and my boss indeed ended up smelling it and it ended up moving to our mystery section. And it stayed there for probably a good couple of minutes and then it dissipated. And she's like, well, it could be the airflow with the vents. And I'm like, no, no. Because that doesn't make sense. The vent is over here and the smells over here. Like it would have to make a complete U-turn <laughs> and it went to another spot prior to that. And so I also called the other floors and said, hey, random question. Did you happen to have a patron that was walking around that, you know, kind of OD'd on their perfume? And everyone said, no, actually, we haven't had anybody on our floor. <laughs> hmm. So is this something, you know, in terms of like checking with other people, it sounds like that's probably something that staff will do just to kind of go, am sanity I losing check. it or is this what I think it is? Yeah. Yeah. Sanity check. I had a sanity check. Gosh, another one that I sometimes I work in the archives department as well. And I'm the digital tech. So I scan a bunch of old photos, which is really cool. So sometimes in our reading room, the room echoes very loudly sick and I'm sitting there and I hear a woman sobbing. I was like, am I hearing what I think I'm hearing or are my ears playing tricks on me? And it wasn't someone boohooing. I mean, this was a woman sobbing, but it was just audible, just barely. And I was like, huh? And it was enough that it got me out of my chair to walk to the bathroom. So I was like, that's where it sounds like it's coming from. And I walked to our bathrooms and by the time I got there, it stopped. And it didn't get any louder as I was getting closer, but I could still hear it. And once I got to the bathrooms, it stopped. And I went down to the hallway and see if there was anything else. Uh, I went to the children's department. You know, she had a patron there, with a mom with her two kids, and pulled her aside. And I said, were they crying? Were the kids crying, laughing? Was the mom crying or laughing? She's like, no, they've been quietly you know, checking out books and they've been talking to me, but otherwise, no, um, my boss was uh, on duty that day. And so I called her and I said, Hey, so I heard somebody crying and uh, there's, there's nobody there. And it was a couple months later, our archivist had a similar experience and my boss is the best secret keeper of all time. So I know she didn't say anything. And she said, oh, did you hear that the archivist heard phantom crying? So I popped downstairs and I uh, saw the archivist and I said, hey, I go, so I heard that you heard crying and there was no source for it. And she goes, yeah. And she goes, it was the creepiest story. And she, her story matched mine. And once she finished, I said, that happened to me, too, a couple months ago. And just the sanity check with each other of you heard it, too. It's not just me. You heard it, too. That was pretty cool. So article I read. but. It, uh, been suggested that there's there's also a dark mass False. that haunts the library. Is that Frank or Billy, or is that something totally different? That is a Photoshop photo. It is not oh. real. It is a hoax. Um, okay, well, that's good to know. 
I stumbled across that within the first couple of months of working there and brought it to the attention of my boss. And she said, it's a Photoshop photo. And again, that coming back around full circle, we've never felt it as being malevolent. And that mm-hmm. photo suggests something very malevolent. And it, it's never been that way. I think like the most malevolent thing, I guess, if you want to call that is a book got thrown. Well, mm-hmm. honestly, who hasn't wanted to throw a book sometimes? You know, I mean, true, true, you know. valid. <laughs> I'm like, that's not malevolent. That's just a, a, an engaged, you know, passionate reader. <laughs> yeah. There are ghost cams of various parts of the library where interested people, if they want to, they can on your all's website and yeah. check out the rooms. So uh-huh. do the apparitions tend to only go into certain rooms or have they been seen everywhere? Yes and no. So our old ghost cams. So let's do a quick history lesson here. About 20 years ago, our director at the time decided that uh, he was going to put up ghost cams and he was only going to do it for like one night. It was going to be on Halloween night. And then on November 1st, it, it was going to come down. It was like, you know, a one shot type of deal. And when they decided to do this, they did it. And I think 20 million hits hit the cameras oh and broke the internet in Evansville. <laughs> so at that point, he's like, we got something here. So we kept the ghost cams up and they've, they've been running. Uh, recently in the past two years, they have been updated. So they're a little bit more fluid beforehand. They're kind of like, you know, refreshing every three seconds. So, <laughs> you know, it was kind of the eh, 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 eh type of thing. More so now it's very fluid, almost like you're on FaceTime because you can watch people walk. There is a 70 second lag. I counted because I was curious, but I don't know if anything has been caught on the newer cameras, but on the older ones, yes. So unfortunately, when we updated our cameras, all that information, all the photos that people would, you know, snap or screenshot and go, you can see this here and would submit it in, all that disappeared. Mm. So we don't have those anymore. Thankfully, somebody was smart and they are speaking and took photos with my phone. (laughs) (laughs) So I have at least one of the photos. The other one... Uh, is you can find it on the internet. And I say it's Frank, but you can see him on the stairs and you can see his face and he has a bowler cap on. Hmm. And then the other time, closing protocol at our library is all the floors meet on the main floor once you've closed your department down and did a sweep to make sure there's no patrons hanging out in the library. And we set the alarm and we all leave out the same door together on the main floor. So they went and did this and they're getting ready to get in their cars and they notice all the lights on the top floor we're on. And they're like, that's weird. And the librarian at the time that was closing up there, you know, he's a seasoned librarian. He's been doing this for so many years. He could probably do it in his sleep, but you know, for the chance that maybe he did forget, they decided to go back in him and another Coworker went in and unset the alarm and he went back up there, turned all the lights back off. I mean, again, and it's not like it's just one switch. There's many switches. So he turns off the lights, goes back downstairs and they, ex- they set the alarm and exit the building. So the thing about the alarm is that anytime the alarm has been set, it sends a notification to the director with a timestamp of when this was set. And I believe it was like either two or five minutes somewhere in there after the alarm was set, you can see on the timestamp, there's a figure of what looks like a woman in a dress walking down the stairs from the top floor. Hmm. Weird. Very, very weird. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, there's some of us who will visit a library just because it's a library, but do the apparitions tend to bring lots more people to the Willard library at certain times of the year, like October? Yes. I mean, we, we definitely see a spike in people coming to look for the gray lady and asking us if, you know, have we ever seen her? Have we ever had any experiences? And, and, you know, and to be honest, most of us are all over the board. There are some of us who like myself have had numerous experiences, but there's some of us who have been there for, you know, over 20 years and have never had an experience. 
So, you know, it kind of depends who you talk to, but we do see a spike in October. And I mean, and that's to be expected, right? So, you know, oh, let's go to a haunted location. That's free. And we step up the hype a little bit with, you know, (laughs) decorating our library for Halloween. We also do ghost tours in October, which the past couple of years due to the pandemic, we were unable to do. But this year we are coming back and those ghost tours are after hours and we take you around and we give you a tour of the library and tell you some spooky tales that have happened within the library. And so do those help make money for the library? Is it, oh, is no, it they're also- free. Oh, wow. Oh, oh yeah. It's all okay. free. I mean, so, we ha- do have ghost merch. I mean, like t-shirts that have the great lady on it. I mean, that makes money for us, I guess. <laughs> okay. but, but otherwise, no. And when we do ghost tours, people are allowed to bring their EMF detectors or, you know, long as they're not going to be disruptive. And the same thing goes for, we get a lot of people who ask, you know, can we do an overnight investigation? No, but here's the fun fact on Mondays and Tuesdays, we're open until 8 p.m. So if you want to bring your ghost hunting equipment, you're more than welcome to just don't disrupt our patrons. And, you know, and people do do that and they don't disrupt our patrons and sometimes they get something and sometimes they don't. So have any of those ghost hunting shows ever come to the Willard Library? I know you said that Lorraine Warren had Mm -hmm. sometime, but have there been others? Yes. So ghost hunters, they used, they used to be called taps. They came out and that was pre my time at Willard. They didn't get anything, at least on camera. I know it's season two. I just can't remember what episode, but they do state that they did see a white mist go up a wall and they didn't have their recording equipment on them when that happened. So so I think that's the only like TV show. We did have another one scheduled, but the pandemic happened. So I'm curious, not related to ghosts, but still in the spooky realm. Are there certain spooky books or other library materials that you tend to recommend to patrons, you know, who are maybe, maybe they come specifically because of the apparitions? Are, Are there certain books that you tend to recommend? If they just want some spooky books, just in general, I mean, and that's my niche anyways. Like I love, um, you know, paranormal romance or urban fiction. I love horror. I like some horror too. What are some of your favorite horror books that you've read recently? So I read House at the Bottom of a Lake by Josh Mallerman. Uh, he's the one who wrote Bird Box. There was a part in the book that made my hair stand up. The fact that, you know, you can do that as much as a horror junkie as I am. <laughs> I was like, dang. And then I'm also a real fan of like graphic novels and manga. And one of the mangas I just finished reading was called Deserter. And it's like horror short stories. And I mean, in some of them, you're just like, now I'm a little messed up from reading that. (laughs) I really do like um, anything true crime as well. That's also because it hits the right spots, I guess. I really liked the Lizzie Borden trial. Oh, I've not, okay, I've not read anything about that. Is uh, that the name of it, the Lizzie Borden yes. trial? And I don't know if like all libraries have it, but we have it. And it's like the court records, it's verbatim. It's the court records that are bound together. And that one's really good. I also really like Greg Olson too. Uh, Starvation Heights was also a really good one. And that talks about Dr. Linda Hazard and how she would starve her patients to death and then take their possessions and their money. I also really do like Anne Rule as well. Um, The Stranger Beside Me was really good. Ted Bundy, right? Yes. And what's interesting is that there, I was reading one chapter where he would go in Olympia, Washington by Capitol Lake and pick people up. And when I lived in Washington state, I worked in Olympia and I walked that lake. And Mm. so it just kind of, you know, put you in that situation. And that gave me goosebumps too. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, I was there. I was there. <laughs> so yeah. we love hearing about new books that somebody might want to read. It's great to hear about the gray lady. So the ghost tours that you all have, yeah. are they all month long or are they just like the week of Halloween? So our ghost tours are uh, October 13th through the 15th and the 20th through the 22nd. And then the 27th and the tours are at 7, 8, and 9 p.m. 
They're about 45 minutes to an hour long. They are free. However, you need to go to our website, go underneath our events and select what tour you want because there's only like 30 tickets per, per tour. And you need to make sure that you bring your verification with you. If that's either email or you print it out, um, we'll be checking that at the door. So you're coming in for your set time. And because of the way our website, we're still, it's brand new. It just launched like a couple of months ago. We're still got some bugs to work out. And we discovered that if you're going to do ghost tours or you're going to get tickets, it's best to do it on a desktop or a computer as opposed to your phone or tablet. It gets kind of glitchy when you do that. But there's only a select amount of tickets. They are free. They're all free, but you need to register for them. Good information to know. Well, it has been so fun and creepy talking about the Willard (laughs) Library. We are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're all going to talk about what we're reading. with Stacy Dotson from the Haunted Willard Library in Evansville, Indiana. Carrie, it is spooky season. What kind of things are you reading? So I was inspired to read this book based on the recommendation of Sarah Monroe from West Virginia University Press, who was our guest. I think it was this past summer, wasn't it? Yes. It's hard for me to remember. West Virginia University Press published this book. And so when Sarah talked about it, I was like, sold. The book is called Foot, F-O-O-T-E by Tom Breedhoff. And I know, Amy, when I was talking about this book to you, I would call it the foot book. And you would say the Dr. Seuss book? No, not the Dr. Seuss book. (laughs) Different foot, different spelling, different author. So when Sarah talked about this book, the selling point was that it was about a Bigfoot. Uh, That's all I needed to know to know that I wanted to read it. So it is the story of Big Jim Foot, a private investigator who's actually a Bigfoot who lives among humans in Morgantown, West Virginia. He sort of hides in plain sight and passes, I'm putting that in air quotes, passes for a rugged, hairier than expected human. And while he is a private investigator, his most important role is that he kind of serves as a barrier for his larger Bigfoot community that lives in the mountains of what he calls the homeland. So he's kind of the gatekeeper a little bit. So the novel begins with a young woman coming to Big Jim because her mother has gone missing. And that is soon followed by a murder that happens at a ramps festival where Big Jim is acting as security and he becomes a suspect. Ramps as in like the wild onions, right? Yes, yes, the wild Mm -hmm. onions. And a short time later, Big Jim becomes a suspect in another murder. So does Big Jim Foote have horrible luck or is someone targeting him? Did the same person commit both murders or are they completely isolated events? Big Jim is on the case trying to find a missing person, solve murders, and keep his Bigfoot brothers, sisters, and cousins away from anything that will destroy their well-preserved privacy in the mountains and woods of West Virginia. It is a mystery, but it's also about a Bigfoot. So I'm going to pass it along to my mom. It was a quick read. You can't help but like Big Jim Foot in the story. He's, he's a good guy, Bigfoot character. So in this, the Bigfoot is not scary. He's he is he's just a normal guy who's got a lot who's got a little bit of a hair problem. A little bit of a hair problem. He's you know taller than than your average human. But the the people who live in Morgantown, West Virginia, just seem to like well, that's the way he looks. Like they're none the wiser. So yes, definitely not scary. But if you are a person who wants to read uh, a book about Bigfoots, but you're a big chicken, this would be the book to read. So again, it's called (laughs) Foot, F-O-O-T-E, by Tom Breedhoft. Stacy, you work at the Willard Library, so you're surrounded by books. What book would you like to tell us about? I read Yours Cruelly, Elvira, by Cassandra Peterson. And and that's a nice spooky season one, too. And that was very good. I mean, I like Elvira anyways. I love the character. Didn't really know much about Cassandra Peterson. And... She is a very colorful person. I loved it. I didn't expect to love it as much as I did. 
And now, is that a memoir? Yes. Okay, so it's a, the memoir of the woman who plays Elvira. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And Very interesting. It was really, really good. And let's see. I think before that, I also gearing up for spooky season. I've been reading the Valentino series, which is like it's the villains. So she does the Disney villains and their origin stories. So I did like uh, the Wicked Queen, uh, the Beast, and Ursula. There we go. I think it's Selena Valentino, and they are found in the YA section. Uh, and then currently, right now, I'm reading a, a manga series called The Promised Neverland, and that was kind of spooky, and it makes you think. And it's about, gosh. I don't want to give too much of it away, but it's about children who grow up in this very loving foster home. And when they reach a certain age, they end up going to their permanent homes. And the children actually find out that they're not going to permanent homes. They're actually, it's actually a farm that they live on and their food. Oh my God. For these things they call demons. And it's, really good it makes you think because it's not as black and white as you would think it would be and there is the anime series which i did watch that but the you know just like normally the book and the show or movie are apples and oranges they have similarities but they they're not exactly the same and so it's been really good you think it's gonna be like oh yay they're happy and it's like oh Oh, dang. Yeah, that took a dark turn. (laughs) I have read some graphic novels. I have not read any manga. So is most manga written by Japanese writers and illustrators? Correct. And then they usually, they've been dubbed in English so that we can read them. And you have to read them backwards to us. So instead of, you know, when you flip a page from right to left, it's left to right. And it's the same thing with reading the panels. You read from right to left, not left to right. It's a learning curve, but once you do it, you're fine. Yeah, (laughs) It's a nice reading break for me. It's not that I don't like sitting down with a book without pictures, but sometimes, you know, life is a little bit busier at work and I don't have as much time to sit and actually read. And so sitting down with a manga or a graphic novel, I can easily clear a book in an hour or two. It was The Promised Neverland and it's by Ayush Shihari. It's got like 20 books in the series. If you type in The Promised Neverland, you'll find it. (laughs) Okay. Interesting. It's really good. I mean, especially if you like the horror aspect, I highly suggest it. It's just, oh, it's so good. And I will say this, uh, after watching the anime, it has a happy ending. So stick with it. It's going to be fine. Just stick with it. It's good. (laughs) It gets twisty. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Amy... What? We've been talking about horror and creepy. Have you been reading anything creepy? Because I know that you love to read seasonally. I do. Fall is my favorite reading season. And actually, I am going to take the book that you talked about with a Bigfoot, and I am going to take it to the other extreme. So the book that I finished a week or two ago is called Devolution, a firsthand account of the Rainier Sasquatch Massacre by Max Brooks. And this is a thriller horror novel that contains both cryptids or what we would call like Bigfoots, but also disaster horror. And Brooks writes this fictional account to read like a documentary real account of a natural disaster and its aftermath. So Mount Rainier in Washington state unexpectedly erupts. So we have a researcher who is narrating for this documentary, and he's exploring what happened to a group of people who were living in this isolated, very ecologically sustainable, yet very smart, tech-connected community called Green Loop in the valley from Mount Rainier after the eruption. So one of the members of this community, Kate Holland, kept a diary from when she first arrived in Green Loop before the eruption to several weeks after. And when rescuers arrive, they find a massacre, but not Kate's body and only her diary. So when Mount Rainier erupts, it sends lava flows down the mountain, but not on every side, more on like one side. And it's not on the side where Green Loop is located. But because Green Loop is located miles off the main roads, the lava has blocked the main highways to allow them to get in and out. So the group is somewhat stuck there. 
and the eruptions have knocked out their Wi-Fi and phone service. So they don't have a way to contact rescue teams or to really to like get information from the closest city, which is Seattle. And the way that they would usually get their food is they'd have groceries delivered by drones, which they can't fly now because of all the smoke and ash in the air. So the natural disaster piece of this is that this group of people has to go into survival mode, which none of them are really equipped to do because they are all like lawyers, professors, upper middle class and wealthy people who wanted to commune with nature, except for that nature can be cruel. So- Then the other aspect of this story is that the eruption has driven all kinds of wildlife down from their natural habitat up on the mountain, down into the valley in search of food. Wildlife like mountain lions, bears, and maybe even something larger and mysterious like a pack of Bigfoots. So the structure of the book alternates between portions of Kate's diary and then statements by one of the park rangers who discovered the remnants of Green Loop and even quotes from former President Teddy Roosevelt about explorers that he met on his adventures who claimed that they had seen a Bigfoot. That is the main gist of the story, but there are several other interesting themes like the arrogance of humans to think that we can master nature on how becoming too reliant on smart technology makes us really dumb. And there's definitely a feminist bent to this book because the real heroes of this story are women. And even in the Bigfoot community, it seems to be a a matriarchal society. This book does get gory at times. So if you're squeamish, just, you know, take note of that. But I listened to this on audiobook. It's a full cast that includes Judy Greer and Jeff Daniels, and it was totally engrossing. So if you're looking for a Halloween read that moves beyond vampires, witches, and ghosts, maybe a Bigfoot story is just what you are looking for. And again, the name of this book is Devolution, a firsthand account of the Rainier Sasquatch Massacre by Max Brooks. Hmm. Well, we hit both ends of the Bigfoot extreme, didn't we? Yeah, you did. We we have lovable Bigfoot and scary as hell Bigfoot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is a good time for us to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to put Stacey Dotson in the hot seat and ask her her questions. We'll be right back. We are back with Stacy Dotson, who works at the Willard Library in Evansville, Indiana, and we are going to ask her, you know, to bear her soul to us today about spooky things. Uh, so, number one, what is the scariest thing? I'm using that in air quotes. Things someone has ever done to a library book, in your professional opinion, that you have either seen firsthand or have heard about from a colleague. Oh, gosh. I see a lot of horror stuff like on the internet. But I would say in our book drop, we get a lot of trash, which I don't understand. Like they think it's a trash can or something? Oh, yeah. I don't understand. I mean, it looks like we call it the green mailbox, but it does say book drop. I don't get it. Um, I think finding stuff inside books, personal items, like not just bookmarks, but anything that they use as bookmarks. I think like one time there was like a leaf. It was crumbly. And it's like, why would you do that? (laughs) Or they left a book outside or they spilt coffee on it. And it's like waterlogged. And they just put in the book drop. And it's like, you, you know, that we know that you checked this book out, right? Like, (laughs) they're hoping um, you don't notice. (laughs) I mean, I actually, I did see like, on the internet that someone put their taco in a book. And I was like, what? Oh my gosh. I feel like that's like just a big F you to libraries, which I feel like we should just blackball that person. (laughs) You should have a camera on the book drop. Maybe it's the gray lady. Maybe the gray lady's putting trash in the mailbox. Maybe. Keeping it real. Yeah. All right. Question number two. So when I sent you the info about this show, you remarked on my level of organization, which makes me think that you too love being organized. So what is your favorite thing to organize in your home? And what is a spot that you need to organize in your home, but you don't want to tackle it? Because even the most organized people have a spot like that. Uh, let's see. My favorite thing to organize is I love decorating for holidays because I get to put everything away and then bring it out and Ah. stack it up. My craft room is a hot mess. 
hot mess. There's stuff on the floor. I just shut the door because I don't want to look at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's clean. No one needs to know. I'm the only <laughs> one who goes in there. It's fine. So yeah. that needs to be organized. It's just my thought process examples like, okay, let's say I have all these buttons. Do I organize them by color? Do I organize them by shape? Do I organize them by color and then by shape? Do I have the space to put this? Where am I going to put this? How often do you use buttons? And it's just my brain hurts and I don't want to do it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Your last question. So you mentioned to us that you had a childhood where, you know, your father made headstones and your mother took care of a cemetery. Carrie actually loves a good cemetery. So tell us about your most favorite cemetery memory. When I was a child, I would say it was out in White Salmon, Washington, and cemetery butted up against some woods. And right before the woods, there was like all these huge blackberry bushes. And I used to pick gallons of blackberries. And I mean, and my mom is mowing the yard and my, of course, my dad is helping at the same time. And I'm just running amok around the cemetery. And when I got older, they actually put me to work with uh, when my dad would dig graves, they actually used shovels before they got a backhoe, which, you know, talk about backbreaking work, but they would take the backhoe and he would, you know, dig six feet in. And my dad would say, come here. And he would lower me into the grave <laughs> and uh, I would play in there. And uh, I'd also pick worms out to go fishing later. So (laughs) I'd sit there and pick it out. And when I was ready to get out, he'd stick his hand down and pull me out. (laughs) So there's that. So you would get fishing worms when your father lowered you into the grave that he had just dug. (laughs) Correct. Until you were ready to come out. Correct. I mean, and then it's, you know, my mom's like, Stacy, Stacy, lay down. And so I would, and she goes, that's the last thing you would see if you were buried here. And I'm like, that's so cool. See, I personally think that we need to normalize cemeteries more because I, I think the thing is, to me, I love that because I just like to wander around and see the graves and just to find oh, yeah. humor. Like, I love to take pictures of funny because I can look at, at a grave, especially like statues Uh And sometimes I find them really funny. And so I have found some and I take pictures of them and then I post like a funny saying next to them. Am I the only person who sees the humor in cemeteries? So it seems like, you know, you and I are kindred spirits in that way. I I agree. Like I went to the cemetery and I think it was Oak Hill. It's a huge cemetery. But anyways, one of the headstones is this huge dog like a huge guard dog that's just sitting there. And I also thought it was funny. And I walked over and I patted it on the head and said, good dog. And I thought it was funny. So I get it. So I have to ask though. So sometimes, you know, when you're a kid, you don't realize that your childhood was unusual in any way until you get to be an adult. Yeah. Is that the case for you that you didn't realize that, you know, that was a little unusual? Yeah, it's just come to the realization in my adult years that I'm like, that's not normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a good time, wouldn't do it over. I mean, I love it. I would 10 out of 10, you know, have that childhood again. But yeah, that's not normal. And I mean, but here's the thing. Those who actually know me, I am a very bubbly person. I love glitter and rainbows and unicorns and Disney and I just bubble around and then I'm like, oh yeah. So my family's income was based off death and I grew up <laughs> in a cemetery and they're just like, it breaks their brain for a minute. And they're like, what? It's like, yeah, isn't that cool? They're like, shh. Sure. <laughs> I, I do think it's cool. It's just unusual. But, you know, hardly anybody has what what, what is a normal childhood. I don't True. know. I mean, and my dad would tell me stories, too. Like uh, one time he had to, because, you know, he dig the grave and he had to do the funeral. And he went to go lower this casket in and the handles were too wide to fit into the ground. So he had to take the handles off. And the handles are screwed on the inside of the casket. (gasps) Oh. So he had to open the casket and be like two inches from this person's face and 
unscrew the hinges so he could get the the casket inside the grave. Okay, as an adult, I'm like, oh my god. As a kid, I'm like, that is so cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, Stacy, it has been so great chatting with you about your experiences, about the Willard Library, and about all the spooky things going on there. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day to speak with us. Oh, thank you for having me. It's an honor. You can find more information about the Willard Library, their ghost tours, and their ghost cams at www.willardghost.com. For show notes for any episode, go to our website at www.perksofbeingabooklover.com. We're also on Instagram at perksofbeingabooklover.pod and on Facebook at perksofbeingabooklover. If you like what we're doing with the show, tell a friend. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to help people find us. Or leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Finally, a huge thank you to Forward Radio 106.5 FM, a grassroots community radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find our show there, live or in archives, at forwardradio.org. 